0: Okay, should we do an intro? Yes. Whose turn is it? Are we doing turns, or are
1: you just doing it? It's your turn. Do you want to see if you can do it in as few takes as I managed last week? <laughs> yeah. There'll come a point where we just train a virtual voice model. Oh, we should. No, but you can do that. Let's do that.
0: Yeah. You can do it in fifteen minutes. You just can't. We just give it the three six one to learn. <laughs> what we could do
1: is just give it the archive of the last ten years. It could just yes. churn out mindless drivel, and we could all go to the pub. <laughs>
0: Oh, and welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile technology and the world around it. My name's Ewan McLeod.
1: My name's Ben Smith. And I'm Ray Cladford.
0: This is season 21, episode two. And this week, we're talking about our broken smart homes.
1: chaps it's good to see you. Hello Ben, hello Ewan. Hello. It's been a while since we've recorded, so let's get back into this. We are doing uh, smart homes this week. Yes. Ooh. Yep. Ooh, exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Before we start though, I want some advice please from you um and okay. uh, worries we'll at this. I want to know from listeners and I want to know from you both travel chargers. I know this doesn't sound very exciting. But I had an incident this week where I bought a new charger for my MacBook because it was nice and small and it would charge my MacBook up and it was smaller than the Apple one. And I was just explaining to all of my colleagues how fancy this folding small charger was and how clever it was that I could now fit it into my bag. And it chose that precise moment to go bang and smell of smoke and all the lights (gasps) flickered in the room and that socket stopped working. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh, that's shocking. So, you know, I've crossed them off my preferred supplier list. So what I want to know oh, is, no. first of all, do you bring like specialist charging stuff around with you when you travel, Ewan, or do you just throw the Apple charger and whatever like came in the box?
0: Well, it's you that made me do that, right? I always think of you when I'm paying stupid amounts of money in the Apple store or the Samsung store or wherever to, to buy the actual hardware because you've always said, oh, I, oh I, I wouldn't. And it's actually happened to you. So I've got my MacBook Air M2. I'm traveling with, and then I have the double socket Apple MacBook Air thingy. You know that it's got two USBs. Yep, I find that quite useful, so I I use that. And then I also have a Belkin. Belkin do a really, really. I love for my Android phones. I love the the ultra 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 fast chargers, The, the super stupid ludicrous speed chargers. And Belkin do a great one. Samsung also, of course, have theirs. It comes in the box, but I like the Belkin ones. And that's what I travel with. So I've got my Apple charger. And then a Belkin charger. That's it.
2: Rafe Blanford? I don't have a particular travel one. I mean, I've got some new plugs that I will occasionally use, but I have bought a third party Apple charger, which is the Hyperjuice, which had uh, various ones on Kickstarter. And the one I use has got two times 100 watt outputs plus then sort the of 18 watt USB ones. So it means I can charge kind of two laptops or laptop and an ipad at the same time and then also be doing a kindle or an iphone and you know it's about the same size as a normal charger well, that's interesting but the fact that it's got four and it basically means i just need to take one with me when i'm traveling so four usb c or do you call it it's okay? two usb c and um two usb uh a
1: oh it's interesting because I've been optimising for... So I, the, the Moo plugs that you mentioned, Rafe, they are the UK folding ones. Because as, as as Brits, we have a problem that our plugs don't fold down very conveniently. The Moo plugs that they made, which were these nice folding ones that folded with flat, the most they did was 20 watts, which is fine for a phone, or actually I've discovered it charges my son's Switch really well. But It's no good for a laptop or uh, an iPad Pro or something like that. So I've been optimising on 65-watt chargers. And that's just for me, just the size that's enough to charge my laptop or a phone mm. or a thing mm. at a time. But they're quite small, so they're all, those are pocketable chargers. And I bring one or two of those around with me because so I, you know, because I find Rafe that the one hundred or two hundred watt ones, although they'll charge everything I could possibly want, they're real lumps in my bag. And I was trying to get to a kind of a, a lightweight travel pack, you know, <laughs> rather than being mm. weighed down. Yeah. And so. I bought a 65-watt USB-C charger from a recommended source, and that's the one that went bang. But disappointingly, the ones I've had the most success with are actually Samsung's ones that they supply with Mm. their lightweight laptops, which are 65 watts, but they collapse down to about the size of a deck of playing cards. So I've got it here. I'm showing the chaps on the video. You can see, but these are really hard to find because Samsung don't seem to sell them direct to the public you need to sort of mm. buy them off eBay or a parts supplier or something to get them and I thought I'd really succeeded in finding a sort of a Chinese brand that made similar looking devices and they were all certified and sold through a reputable UK retailer so I wasn't you know being too dangerous but like I say bang and sort goodness of... me Mrs. Well, it's, it's like the old joke that all machines are smoke machines if you use them incorrectly yeah.
0: <laughs> that's a good that's a good one. yeah but I do think it is an important question and I think I'm interested to hear what more about I need to google rafe's thing so perhaps we could put that in show notes yeah. but I I would genuinely like to hear recommendations from listeners what is your your know, travel travel ie suitcase travel policy and then what's your daily travel policy I think that would yeah. be interesting to hear I also have a a three way or three gang extension yeah. thing that I keep in the suitcase just in you know, for for the annoying hotel room that has one plug
1: I now have sort of grab bags of bits for, you know, international travel. Mm. But actually the one that challenges me is, because I'm very old and very tired, commuting because I've got to lug the stuff around and I've got, you know, kind of, I want to minimise the amount of things I want to carry. So yeah, interested in listeners' feedback, please. But it's been an interesting journey because I thought I had a product that I could recommend and it was super cheap. And I was like, yes, this is fantastic. Mm. Bang, you know.
0: And how how do listeners, because it's been, you know, like a decade, Mm. how do they contact us, Mr. Smith.
1: Oh, uh, you should go to 361podcast.com, where you can find a form that you can fill in, or you can find us on Mastodon, uh, 361podcast at mastodon.social. That's linked from our website as well. Right. Or you can lean out the window and shout into the wind. <laughs> Ray Flanford might hear you. Yes. So let's move on. Despite starting talking about charging, today's subject is home automation. It's something, or smart homes, it's something that we have done quite a lot of before the old series. And I think oh, we yeah. sort of ran out of juice on, but. I don't know about you guys, but I've done quite a lot since we last, you know, spoke about it. And I wanted just to compare notes.
0: Mm. Let's get up to date, please. You know, what's what's moving? Yeah,
1: yeah. Let's do a quick update. And you've heard enough of me, so Rafe Blanford, just give us a quick. Have you done anything home automation wise, and what's changed since last time we spoke?
2: Yeah, say things. Mm, that's a good question. I think the big thing that changed for me is having gone back to working in an office. Actually. I think I shared last time that I wasn't using the automation that much. It was all being done manually, and I'd kind of rolled back to doing a lot of things just using Alexa and Hugh, and therefore going, yeah, that works good enough for me. Using your fingers like a monster. Well, no, no, let's not get carried away. I was still giving voice commands, and it was for turning lights on and off, vacuum cleaners, opening and closing the curtains, that kind of thing. But having been out of the home, quite a bit and regularly now i've reset up the automations but i have done it using rather than anything like smart things or some of the other solutions out there i've actually done it using hue and alexa because it's good enough for what i want it to do which is basically motion sensors turning on lights when i get back or doing geofencing to get things on And then more probably importantly, turning it off if I leave the house and kind of forget to turn things off. I mean, I I now just don't bother. I know when I leave, everything will shut down. And then I'm still using voice control quite a bit for things like the uh, curtains or to kick things off. So there isn't like a massive update for me. One of the things I've kind of been keeping an eye on, though, is Matter, which we might get onto uh, later as a new standard. I also have got a new toy, which is uh, maybe worth talking about. But maybe we'll come back to that later in the podcast. Ooh,
0: trailer. You know, spoiler trailer, et cetera. Yeah. That's
1: it. Cliffhanger. I was going to ask, I forgot to say, you know, what platform you're using. And I'm going to put words in your mouth, but you said Alexa. So
2: yeah, I'm basically on Amazon because it's cross-platform. It works well with voice. And I think it's a lot of to do with if you're living on your own, you don't have to worry about the kind of family acceptance factor. So all the automations are set up. Against my phone and my location. Yeah. So, you McLeod, what platform do you use? And I'll tell you why I think it matters in a minute.
0: Uh, geez. Right. No, I. I do. I. Whatever you're going to say, I probably agree with you. Right. I have been now and again. I'll. 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 will will sit there until two o'clock in the morning. What? What? Why are you laughing?
2: Because you're preemptively buttering up uh, Ben Smith.
1: I like to be preemptively buttered. It's fine.
2: Go on. Carry oh.
0: on. <laughs> right. Okay. Fine, right. 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 So I. I'll sit on Amazon and I'll think, is there anything, yeah, get me a smart home sensor, motion sensor. I'm obsessed with motion sensors, right? I, I like motion sensors to switch stuff on and do stuff, monitor things and, you know, let me know if this has happened or that's happened. My smart things, that's my primary platform and it has been for the longest time. The motion sensors just kind of stop working now and again-ish whenever. This unpredictable reality is really annoying. So I thought, right, okay, I've had enough of this. I'm going to adopt a new platform, and that will be Akara. Just looked on Amazon and found great feedback from Aqara, A-Q-A-R-A. You have to buy the hub, 50-odd quid, I think, and then you have to then, then you buy the little devices.
1: Uh... And so Akara is a manufacturer of smart home devices. Right. And when you use their products, you can use them in one of two ways. You can connect all the stuff to their hub, Right, and then you can use the Akara app, yes. and you are just basically in the Akara app with the Akara gizmos. But quite a lot of people, particularly in North America and Europe, like their stuff because it supports HomeKit, and right. you can plug it into the Apple ecosystem. And so your platform is HomeKit, you know. But it just happens that you've bought Akara devices to be in your Apple HomeKit home. So how are you using it?
0: Oh, look, I thought I'll try and do it properly. Okay, and this is where I've got zero patience for this <laughs> nonsense, right? I brought the thing, plugged it in. <laughs> Nothing changes, does it? Flipping annoying because I'm standing there in a room. Okay, yes, detecting me, that's great. Okay, I walk out, come in again, detect me, great. I walk out again, come in again, doesn't detect me. Yeah. What, what, uh, right, and then it's working perfectly fine. Then I, I move it five centimeters, it doesn't work at all. Like, what, what? Then I thought, oh, no, no, it's just me, it's just me, all right. So and then, I, I bought loads of these little, because the, the actual, the Akara motion sensor is very small. It was quite cool, right? Uh, no, I just, I don't know. I don't have the patience. I want it to work or not, right? I don't really want to have to spend hours and hours. So then what I did, as I eventually did what I swore not to do, which paid £44, because these Akara thingies are half price, half that. I paid 44 for the Hue motion sensor, Yeah, right? Took out the thing, plugged it in, works immediately, has never stopped working. I mean, oh, gee, that's, that's wonderful, right? And with Rafe there, right, the hue, it just flipping works. So great work, hue. I don't know what is wrong with the other stuff. Yes, it may be me. I am a bit of a geek, right? You know, I do have a degree of patience if the thing seems to work. So good luck if you are using all these other other things. I'm not having to go at a Kara necessarily. I'm just having to go at the general difficultness. You know, yeah. I right? guess it's really complicated. I just want it to work. Now, what else have I done? Okay, the best thing I have done, because I've moved back to the UK since we started recording, and I needed proper proper Wi Fi, and I did what Ben Smith recommends, which is go to the wire cutter, and I got the Asus Zen Wi Fi. Asus. This uh, oh oh, sorry, Asus Zen Wi Fi XT9, the big sexy yeah two of them. Then I added two small units as well, and I got the it's amazing, really good. It's got all these cool gizmos on the router. So as far as I'm concerned, my smart home is really the router. I mean, I'm really pleased with that. And that is working. Zero complaints from anybody. Whole house, garden, Wi-Fi. Excellent. Very, very important. And I, I like the fact I can VPN back in really easily. Great work, Asus. Asus. And, oh, and then the robot uh, vacuum cleaners. We're using them a lot. They're really cool. We still love those. Yeah.
1: Oh, Matt We've got three of them on the go. Three robot vacuum cleaners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, really cool. I thought having two was extravagant, but having three no. robot vacuum cleaners,
0: one per room, they're really good. But yeah, I'm keen to understand what else have you done? Well, and look, I've got the um the the, car, the cameras the Arlo, use loads of Arlos. Yeah, I got my old Arlo cameras from Denmark, so I had about fourteen cameras in Denmark. Fourteen, wow, I think fourteen, maybe ten or four, something like that. And I I ran out of places to put them, so I just I've actually got you know double coverage because I just thought I thought I might as well use them. These are all the first-gen Arlos, first-gen, right, with the batteries in them, the actual manual. But I like, the, I like the, the Arlo. I've got an owl cam. That's just an Arlo device that's pointing at the owl box, uh, and we get a notification at 4 o'clock in the morning to let us know that owl has been
2: in and out. And that's about it. Wow. Okay, so, I mean, I'm with the owl cam, fine, but your Arlo's pointing at two things, and Smart Home being a router, and you having patience leaves me a little bit breathless
0: right well just show me something rick that's exciting am i missing what what is exciting in smart home what am i missing
1: i'm glad you're having a similarly bad time to me because that's that's reassuring because i would be deeply distressed if you'd sorted it out and i was here swinging in the wind (laughs) with a mess so when we last spoke on the podcast i was getting really Mm. excited about home assistant and home assistant is a sort of open source bit of software that you can install oh gosh, yeah. on a raspberry pi and that all and you you know your face is right like that all sounds like a bit of a faff yeah yeah but mega faff god but when i did it i discovered actually that it's not really a mega faff because it was all kind of you know sort of click this drag that there copy this onto this thing press go bingo it works and actually right i kind of was a bit surprised at how easy it was and the reason I was getting keen on using Home Assistant was I had all of these different products I needed to use. Mostly because what was supported in my market, what device was electrically compatible with the type of lights that I had, yes. you know, mm. which products could go inside or outside. So, you know, I was kind of a bit constrained. And what I really wanted was something to tie it all together. And mm. that seemed to be the most powerful and most flexible. And I've gone through a bit of a love-hate relationship with it because it is incredibly powerful. Uh, actually, it has been, for me, 99% reliable. It has been far more reliable than I expected. The problem is that every so often it just stops and you have yeah. to work out why. And I think oh. most of the time it's stuff that I can fix or stuff that perhaps even I've broken from my own understanding. But I, I sort of came to realize that when you're dealing with something that's kind of got a lot of community and cross-platform support, you end up with yes. this kind of like two-tier quality of service to steal yes. a ewanism. If the manufacturer supports Home Assistant, like if they're targeting the kind of the interested nerds and they support Home right. Assistant and they've you know, built an API and they've released their software and they've integrated it perhaps, or they've made it easy for other people to integrate, lovely. Like Hue, yes. Philips Hue lights that you were saying yeah. works really well. Just yeah. beautiful. You know, mm. a local connection on the network. So if your internet yeah. goes out, it all works. It's really fast, works really well. Yes. You know, perfect. Arlo cameras, mm. no integration, no support. Crazy Dave on the internet has made an integration, you know, and and he's maintained it for 17 years and he knows how to backwards engineer the Arlo APIs to pull out the videos and, oh, sorry, no, the um, Arlo have changed their website now and it's all just broken overnight and everything stopped. So I've had a bit of a problem was I found it hard to gauge kind of how reliable Yes. The things that I was using would be, and they yes. sometimes they look fine because yes. they work now, and you set it all up, mm. and then you realise only over time how fragile it is. The other thing was that we toyed with the idea of, you know, we haven't decided that we want to. But we said we had this thing of we might move house this year. Oh, and I was like, oh no, like I have to start unwiring everything now, <laughs> you know, like to sell the house because how am I going to explain to somebody else who might buy our house? that that light switch triggers a virtual switch which Home Assistant monitors oh, and turns Oh, for terms
0: goodness of, sake. Precisely. Oh, that's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah.
1: I've very bespoke crafted it for myself. And then, I mean, I suppose the nail in the coffin, what I really wanted was something that was much more reliable, much supported. So I went and bought Home Assistant Yellow. And what Home Assistant Yellow is, is a physical device, like a proper physical device that Home Assistant runs on, but yes. it's got the built-in Zigbee radios and the built-in okay. Wi-Fi and everything. The whole thing yeah. is, like, you won't be worrying about which third-party devices to plug in anymore, and you won't have this little sort of Raspberry Pi box on your desk looking like a kind of a bag of spanners. It's all this kind of mm. nicely integrated. It almost looks as elegant as, like, a smart things hub or a, right. an Acara hub, which you might buy, yes. you know. And uh, I've had my Home Assistant Yellow for now um, probably four or five months, and I couldn't tell you how it works because I can't buy the Raspberry Pi device that you're supposed to slot inside it. Oh, come on. Oops. Because Raspberry Pi devices, and it takes a particular type. There'll be people busy typing now. If you just go on the internet, you can get a Raspberry Pi 4 on Thursday. Yes, but it needs a special. it's, It's something called a compute module, which is like a Raspberry Pi that's designed for integration into other devices. Who has the patience for this? I want this stuff to work. I suppose that's the difference between us. I'd be willing to put a bit of time in because I actually quite enjoyed the elegance of doing it. But then I started Mm. to realize that I don't want to live in a project. It I feel like, you know, there are some people who buy a house and it's falling down and they live there. And they do up the kitchen and they do up the bathrooms and they paint it and they decorate it. And Progressive, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, they're willing to put up with living in a sort of situation where nothing works because they have this grand plan about you know building a lovely house yeah. themselves or perhaps they might be the kind of people who, you know, r- renovate houses and sell them and that's the way they make some money. And yeah. I was kind of having that moment, which is, you know, kind of these things have become unpredictable. These things aren't working. Actually, I would fall and I'd got, Rafe, much like yourself, I got to the point of, the things I really valued were I want to press a button and turn on a light somewhere else. So for example, you know, I wanted to have wall switches for lamps that didn't actually electrically have wall switches. So I could turn them on as I walked into the room as if they were ceiling lights, for example. Or I wanted to walk up my drive and I wanted my porch lights to come on so I could see the keyhole to, you know, put my key in.
0: External. Nice. External motion.
1: I actually, I don't have an external motion sensor that oh. works, but what I have is geotagging. And so my fo- as I walk oh, okay, right, right. towards my house with my phone, it would just turn the outside lights on for me for 10 minutes and things. And so I'm actually kind of a bit of a crossroads now where I'm thinking of perhaps simplifying. I'm probably going to just simplify it down to two systems. Lightwave.
0: Your light switch things.
1: Which is the smart light switches that I have yeah. all around the place. And since we last spoke, they have added motion sensors, and they have added plugs and all manner of other things that make it a bit more usable now, and and remote control switches as well, and HomeKit. And that what that means is I'll have Lightwave products plug into HomeKit, and HomeKit gives me a really nice usable interface on my phone to turn that stuff on and off without using the manufacturer's clunky, badly designed app. And that is a million miles away from where I was a year ago yes. when I was trying to connect everything up, yeah. you know, together. And- I think you were going quite crazy. It was a fun experiment, mm. but there comes a point where you're in the bathroom and all the lights go off and, <laughs> you, you know, and you're thinking, hmm, this isn't good. Or the one that really flummoxed me, and I promise I'll shut up and let you guys have a talk in a minute, is one of the things I have valued most and the reason that we have hue bulbs in our lamps is yes. at night when you turn the lamp on it's nice to have a really soft warm light yes. and in the yes. morning when you turn the light on it's nice to have a really bright daylight type lamp and it just sort of reacts accordingly and I've got a few places around the house where that's valuable to us mostly like in the bedrooms and things that when I turn the lights on in the morning I want it to be you know bright and daylighty but going to bed I want it to be sort of calm and, and, and dim and that was all working brilliantly but then something changed I don't know what and when you turn my light on, when they turn them on now, they come on in the state they were this morning, bright, 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 and go, oh, dim, 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 you know, transition, 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 down to dim. So, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and you go up to go to the loo and you turn the side lamp on, it's blinding light. Oh, and then, no. you know, two seconds later, it's like, oh, it's fine, look, I've changed it for you. <laughs> like, ah. And the thing was, again, you know, there'll be people listening to this who know how to use Home go, you can configure that. But. It did. like that was all configured correctly. And, you know, kind of please don't transition. Please don't come on with that value, you know, was yes. all configured up. So, I mean, I'm reluctant to say I was too clever for my own good, but I am now at that point where I'm thinking what I'm going to do is get rid of quite a lot of that. And I found some bulbs that are daylight when they're bright and warm when they're dim. They're dimmable bulbs. Okay. Physical bulbs. Oh, okay. They emulate kind of old-fashioned bulbs that used to do that as well. And you're going switch them on and off, power style? I'm still going to use a smart switch, a smart dimmer, yeah. but I'm not going to you know, program the value. You know, I want RGB this value and this time of day. Yes. I'm just going to say dim at night and bright in the morning and let the physical controls take over. And again, maybe not have smart bulbs in our lamps, just have smart sockets and just try and simplify a lot. Mm. Because I was totting it up, I was saying, "Go, oh, I don't really want to spend any more money on my smart home. But um, I thought, oh, I've got 24 Hue bulbs in my uh, kitchen. Jeez. I (sighs) could just pop those on eBay and I could easily pay for, you know, plenty of extras. So, yeah, I've had a bit of a shocker. That's enough from me for the moment. But I am going to talk a little bit more about using HomeKit in a kind of a a less, not completely Apple-centric way. Rafe, I want to hear about your surprise. So back to you. With this cliffhanger. Cliffhanger.
2: well, I was sort of feeling like I hadn't done much in the way of smart home, and it was about a year ago I saw something on Kickstarter, and I thought, Ooh, "Oh, this- let's just
1: stop." Friends don't let friends back things on Kickstarter, Rafe. Yeah,
2: come on. Well, did you, you actually know, get anything? I was suckered into it, and about nine months later, maybe six months later, things started to arrive in various parts of the world, and it's very exciting. But it's taken almost what 12 you mean. Months. People start.
0: They did updates saying, This has arrived. This has arrived. This has arrived. Hello from yeah. the Maldives. This has arrived. Yeah.
2: So, my one arrived a couple of weeks ago and I'm okay. waiting to install it. And what is it? What it is oh, yeah. Well, this is exciting. It combines a camera with right. artificial intelligence and a dispensing station. And it's really quite exciting. So, I'm, I'm going to spoil the surprise now. It's the Bird Buddy, which is a connected smart bird feeder. Oh.
1: The world has gone mad. Connected bird feeder. Yep,
2: pray so. That's quite cool. That. Yeah, go on. Say some more. So, it has a way for you to dispense food, a little platform that the Tweety birds land on. And yeah. when it lands on the platform, it will take a picture of said bird and it's able to recognize about a thousand different species. And so, in some oh, cases, it will cool. take a short video or it will take a picture and then it will actually send it to you. And there's various ways that that can happen. They promise more updates to come. It's just a
0: photo, not a video.
2: They will do a video that's kind of in beta at the moment. So the idea is you kind of get a postcard from your bird feeder when something lands. So physical postcard? No, no, this is a oh, digital one, okay. although I, it'll be interesting. You could extend it in all sorts of ways. So for the birders, if you're American, or the twitchers, if you're in Europe, it's kind of a really exciting thing. So I'm really looking forward to installing it. It's just that combination of things, combining camera, AI, the smartphone components of bird feeder. So I honestly don't know how B so I'm going to report back in a future episode on the bird buddy but Where are you going to put it? I'm going to put it somewhere on the uh <laughs> the downstairs loo. Where do you think he's going to put it?
0: Oh <laughs> <Well>, no <laughs> look look Blandford lives right in central London. So I, I want are you going to put it outside? You know, have you got a window or something? <laughs> no, in the living room. <laughs> of course it's going to go outside. <laughs> Come on, where are you? that's a sensible question. Where are you going to put it?
2: It's going to go outside and I think it's actually going to go and live in Sussex where my parents On the live estate. Okay. because then I will be able to enjoy Tweety Birds visiting Sussex while I'm in the middle of Wait, how's it Wait, con- is it Wi-Fi? So yeah, it's Wi-Fi connected. So, and have, have you got uh, Wi-Fi 6 in the garden? Uh, there is good Wi-Fi all over the place, uh, yes. And so it'll be interesting to see how it works because some of the reviews are a bit mixed and... As typical with a Kickstarter product, the software is a bit beta and there's new features being rolled out all the time. Video is kind of one of those and the recognition, you know, there's mixed reports, but the first UK people have been having them for about a month or so now and it's pretty good. And there is a, inevitably, a Facebook uh, group where you can go and see people sharing their photos and there is something really quite charming about it i said i like the combination of things and it's a kind of unusual or different bit of a smart home kit and i think it's easy to be cynical about and be ben like about the oh they've connected this or they've connected that what a cynic he is but the idea of actually you know when the birds are visiting and they do various versions of this you know with a water feeder and a hummingbird feeder Mm. actually people like the idea of recording birds that's a thing using a bit of technology to have that happen automatically. I think it's a really clever combination. I want to see how well it works because I'm definitely in there. It just needs to work camp.
0: And how long have you been a twitcher?
2: I'm not really a twitcher. I don't really do gaming. I don't watch the uh, streams. But I have always enjoyed looking at the birds out the window. Having grown up in the countryside, there's nothing better than the dawn chorus. So now not only will I hear the dawn chorus, I'll be able to know who's making the racket. What is your favorite bird? Oh, that's a good question. Roast chicken. Oh, Ben, you wound me. <laughs> you wound me. On. On. Uh, I think it's probably a wagtail, and there are various types. Wagtails right. and then barn owls. Excellent. We've got a barn owl, a white one.
1: I went to Ewan's house, and he's got an Arlo camera pointing at a uh, owl bird box, which I thought was very exciting. Mm. It's a wall cam. Yeah. In fact, actually, I'm curious how the camera on your bird buddy will work because, he says, dragging this back to more general consumer things, I've been really disappointed with my Arlo cameras of late, because the only ones that have worked reliably for me are the ones that I gave up and wired permanently to power. So the whole advantage of having a wireless battery-powered camera has somewhat been negated if I actually want the thing to work reliably. And then Mm. on the few occasions where incidents happened where I really actually cared about the footage because I wanted to see who's gone there or who was around or did that thing get stolen or whatever actually i found i did want the pre-roll video you know i did want to yes. see you know kind of what came before and i wonder rafe in your bird watching situation if a bird lands at your feeder and then the cameras you know spools up and says oh you know the infrared has spotted a bird and you know kind of starts to record I mean, on the arlo system i found the latency was about three to five seconds on a camera that mm-hmm. was on a battery power and you know there are different ones for sure i wonder if the bird won't have had its snack and vanished before it has the time to wake up presumably they've optimized for that
2: certainly the videos i've seen would suggest that and you get the birds landing and then uh, taking off
1: they do hang around though right the bird
0: will hang around a little bit you know i would presume to eat
2: exactly this is not the same as uh, someone stealing uh ben's bread from outside the back door where they took chunks out of it and then did a run out. I will report back on the future photos from Bird Buddy and maybe we'll uh, share a few on the 361 social media channels.
1: My errant loaf of sourdough has never been recovered. so Tragic. Did you hear this story, Ewan?
0: Is that that happened? No. What was that?
1: Well, uh, we have some groceries delivered with milk in the UK because we live in a quaint little village and we like the idea of pretending it's the 1950s and having our milk delivered by a milkman in the morning on the doorstep. And <laughs> uh, I woke up to find an empty bag where my bread used to be in the middle of our drive. So I think the local fox had a nice loaf of freshly baked sourdough for his breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> but I said, oh, don't worry, I've got, you know, I have a camera on our driveway. Actually, yes. I would put it up and it's the first one I put a powered one on to just to keep tabs on the cars because there'd been a spate of uh, catalytic converter thefts in the area. And I was sort of anxious about the cars when we were out. And um, it's well enough tuned that it gets people, but it doesn't get foxes and badgers and things. So, they, there's a ninja fox stole my bread. There you go. There's the title for the episode. Wow. I don't know how you're getting on with your Arlo cameras. I think, I mean, if people are listening and wondering, is that a recommendation? I'm, I'm kind of mm. about ready to stop recommending Arlo cameras. Oh, really? Needing to wire them up, finding it quite inconvenient to wire USB mm. power up. Yes finding that they randomly sort of stop working or start working or complain about the battery or those sorts of things. And then also, I have to have two of their hubs in my house because the wireless signal from one isn't sufficient. So I have one at the front and one at the back to cover the two groups of cameras I care about. One of the hubs just now saying that the storage on the device is corrupted all the time, even though it appears not to be and appears to function correctly. So I'm afraid I'm sort of falling a bit out of love with their products, although they are kind of easy to use, which was, I think, the reason you and I first liked them. Yeah.
0: So with me, I tried wiring one, and then it just stopped working the next day. I don't know. I think USB wire got wet. or I don't know. It's really annoying. So I just, as long as you're using them battery-powered, and I have the Ultras, which are rechargeable, and I've got loads of batteries ready to just replace, 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 that works. But yeah, uh, I know what you're saying. Uh, now, I, I, I have remembered that I've got Frient. I'm probably saying that wrong. I think it's Danish. Frient. 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 F-R-I-E-N-T. I got a load of those motion sensors. I don't know. It must be every single property I go into just does not, is not big enough. Or, sorry, the Zigbee or whatever is is, isn't fat. I don't know. It just does not work. It's only Hue that seems to work. Then the other thing I have remembered, Casa, the TP-Link. Mm -hmm. They do K A S A Casa power, what they call smart plugs. And I use the smart plugs, but I also have the smart power strip from them. And this, until any of my children listen, this is what we do to manage their use of television and PlayStation. Ah. Absolutely fantastic. At an appointed time, the PlayStation or the TV will come on magically. And then at an appointed time, or we can manually do it, it'll go off. And that is how we manage children. We should talk about this in another episode, right? You know, the use of electronics. Because if you come and do it manually, it just doesn't, you know, the children hate it. But if it's done automatically, if it's done by the system, then they're really quite tolerant. But all they have to do is go around the back of the TV and press the button. In fact, I wonder if we should cut that out. But, you know, that, that's how you, you can, because you can actually switch, you know, the, right? You can switch it back on again, but they don't do that. They don't know about it or are not aware of it.
1: So I'm surprised to hear you say that because that, I think, points to one of the other problems about like lack of integration, because turning the power off is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got smart plugs and gizmos all over the house, and one of the things I realized is that virtually nothing does anything useful when you just turn it on. I mean, there's a few places we have lamps. you know you turn the lamp on at the socket, the light yeah. comes out, it stops. Yes. So that's fine if you look online you see the adverts about them plugged into kettles and toasters and things well like if i just turn my kettle on it doesn't do anything unless i fill it with water and press the on button exactly. and set the temperature so i'm surprised to hear you do that though because does that not sort of uh, damage the device just you know pulling the plug on a playstation or something that might be saving some media or you know
0: well to be fair like the playstation isn't actually switched off because that's managed by the playstation settings which are really good oh i see uh, actually they're crap It's the like xbox is better Actually, we use it for the TV, so Samsung just switches on and off. Got it. It probably damages them, I, I, who knows, but it, it's better for controlling the children.
1: Yes, I'd feel more comfortable with flipping the power on and off to a TV, although actually Home Assistant integrates with Samsung TVs and I can now ask Alexa to turn the TV on and off and it will send a network request and turn it on and off. So
0: That's worth looking at. That's, yeah, that's interesting.
1: Right. That was one of the pleasant surprises about things that actually did work.
0: I needed something that was compatible with my wife. Yeah, really easy. She, know, she knows how to do it. She can switch on if she needs to you know, switch yeah. off. She, yeah. Yeah.
2: I think it's interesting that all of us who are, I would say, smart home aficionados, if you go back and listen to some of the early episodes, mm. have got frustrated with it not being easy to use. And there are things that I'm still willing to play in. I've been playing with Home Assistant on a, a Raspberry Pi, and it does work well. But then I found some of the things I had didn't work with the system or were, as uh, Ben so eloquently put it managed by dodgy dave
0: just before we, we move on because i know rafe wants to say something can i ask a question about ikea yes so you know Hugh, phenomenal it just works well done Hugh. well done Phillips. ikea i've always had that fan fan fantastic experience with their stuff and i think the, the ikea guys and girls have really made something that works perfectly but only in home have, have they changed it to out of home it works brilliantly. Yeah. It really does. And every time I've been in Ikea, especially in Denmark, I can't help but just go and buy more smart home stuff. It's really, really good because you know, they're all £9 each and the thing works really well
1: in the house. We said we would talk about Matter later and that's right. an important standard. But I think the other thing is that so ZigBee mm. and some of the other wireless standards that people might recognise, which is the kind of the way that the smart home devices talk to each other if they're not Wi-Fi. Some of them are Wi-Fi, but if they're not, mm-hmm. there are other standards. And some of the more recent versions of those standards have started to optimise for longer distance devices so that they can work over, you know, over greater distances. And that means that you'll get a better experience if you put a sensor in your garden or a sensor just outside your house. There are even some sort of long range products now coming out that work you know a kilometre or more away from home you know, through right. a, a different wireless frequency and things. Oh, and wow. so I think it's one of those points where almost whatever I say now will be out of date by the time this airs and out of the date by the time mm. people listen to it because there's a lot of movement in that space. But I think it feels like an area that's maturing in that regard. I have two things I want to say very quickly. One was that I'd realised that, a bit like Rafe, the thing I liked about my smart home the most, even when it was frustrating me, was it was on all the time and it was present and paying attention all the time and so one of the things that I've really I've added to my smart home and love air quality sensors so I have bought air quality sensors that go all around my house partly because post-COVID the amount of CO2 in a room is a good indicator of how well ventilated it was and I was curious about that partly because I have a new a relatively new home and I was becoming concerned about were we ventilating it properly because in new homes that are so well insulated you can have Issues with moisture building up, mould, things like that. I was just anxious about that. But actually now, just because I've started to realise how much more pleasant it is to be in a well-ventilated fresh air room and how much it affects my comfort levels, particularly when I'm working at home. So I have bought AWARE AWAIR sensors. I've got one in every bedroom and one in every major room downstairs. That's two.
0: Okay, how much are these then? Well, I'm glad you asked oh god right okay rafe rafe let, let's guess okay because that was up well i'm glad you asked now he's got one for every flipping
1: room right so i have six
0: yeah six at okay uh, but it, it does some some super special c o2 measuring thing from nasa and they are 249 pounds each go on All right rafe what do you think was he pointing higher he go was on.
2: yes <gasps> i think that um ben's investment was incredibly well justified and it's nothing to do with the fact that i have one behind me after listening to ben rave about his aware
0: oh wait oh wait 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 okay so i'm gonna get okay so it's more than 249. Oh god come
1: on well let me cut a long story short yeah if you go and buy them online yes. properly yes. they're 300 pounds a piece
0: okay right so that's an ipad just right that
1: is an ipad calm yourself calm yourself okay they are excellent well calibrated sensors they've got a little fan in they suck the air through they are incredibly consistent i put all six of mine in the same room for a month and just stuck my head in the room every so often and sometimes it was warm sometimes it was cold sometimes i had the window open sometimes we were hoovering or cooking and they all stayed remarkably consistent so i kind of my main worry was you know kind of should i trust these sensors so I kind of you know, decided that this was worth an investment, but actually right. something really brilliant happened. And I, I, I think this is still happening, but although it, it, it's passed a little bit, where the company that, that makes these sensors very unwisely for a while got involved in a bit of a crypto scheme. And the idea was that these sensors would integrate into this kind of network that would reward you for reporting your rare quality data with cryptocurrency.
0: I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yes.
1: I'm not going to say anything more about it because, A, I can't remember accurately, and also I don't think people should learn any more about crypto. Crypto's nonsense, and sorry, you know, it's nonsense. But what happened was that scheme very quickly fell apart, and I think bad PR and some kind of animosity between Aware, who just wanted to make you know, good quality home air sensors mm-hmm. and the crypto network. Long story short, lots of people had bought these devices not really to be air quality monitors, but in order to mine cryptocurrency or in order to earn cryptocurrency. And so they'd paid full price for them, bought them with the expectation that they would earn money from them. Oh, Aware then pulled the plug and said, "Right, we will no longer integrate with this system." And so now you can purchase these devices. I bought mine for about sixty to seventy pounds a piece, oh. brand new, from sellers who were just taking a massive hit on the secondary market as the devices, you know, basically were no use to them anymore. They're still perfectly good air quality sensors. That's what they're intended for. But the crypto scheme link is gone. And I think you still can pick these up new and yeah, unused. There's one for
0: ninety nine eBay.
1: Yeah, new. And I bought some bundles as well, because there were people selling like five at a time and things. So I bought some bundles. What did you get there? Aware Element? Yes. There's only one device that's uh, available to or sold to consumers now. As a device, I would recommend it, but there are other devices available. And I've heard some people speak fairly highly of the Amazon device that connects to your Echo, if you have one as well. It's not right. a sophisticated set of sensors, but I really like it and it's great because I find when I'm sitting here at work, you can start to feel tired and you can start to feel, you know, a bit bogged down. And I look over and I see the sensor and I can say, oh, the CO two level in this room is starting to build up because I've got the window closed, I've got the door closed, starting mm-hmm. to feel a bit tired and sluggish. And it's actually really helped me to understand uh-huh. what the air quality is like in the house. And like I say, you know, as CO two gets to a thousand parts per million. You start to feel a bit oh, you know, a bit well, you can start to feel it you know you can feel the room feels a bit stifling, a bit you know claustrophobic as it gets up to two thousand parts per million, actually you start to feel tired and it starts to impair judgment, and so I'm almost tempted to get one of these or maybe like a, a mobile one of these devices and <laughs> bring it to the office so when it, you know when you have one of those that's sw- a good idea. sweaty meetings where ten people are in a meeting room trying to make a mm. decision and everyone feels like rubbish. And you go, well, actually, we've all just sat in a room breathing each other's air for two hours and uh, no one's going to make good judgments now because you start to have an impairing effect. It's almost like um, drinking, you know, starting to impair. Yes. But what I like there is I've got all these sensors all around my house and they actually don't trigger any automations. You know, I could set up to turn on a fan or to, you know, they capture the data and when they cross the threshold, it sends me an alert so that I could open a window or do something if I want to. But more importantly... I can just go back and look at the data, the graph, and I can see, oh, actually, you know, our rooms, the reason we didn't sleep very well last night is our rooms got way too hot at this time of the evening, or we should have had the window open because the CO2 levels really built up.
0: That is interesting. Okay.
1: Or, you know, we're out in the country, pollen is a a big issue for people who suffer, and uh, sometimes there's bonfires or burning nearby, Mm. and you can see the effect that has on the air quality as well. So I really love these devices. I don't think we ever talked about air quality enough. And I'm sorry, I'm going to do more talking, but I promise I'll shut up. I bought, and I actually haven't used yet, a millimetre wave sensor. And this is... For what? Well, this is either going to be brilliant or terrible. (laughs) (laughs) And nothing in between.
0: Sorry, what is that? Are you waving something? What was that?
1: It's an Acara FP2. So this is from the same system that you were talking about.
0: Yeah. Acara. Just put it next to the hub.
1: Well... Because it's Wi-Fi, it doesn't need the hub. It can oh, work okay. can work just with the app. Or I will probably use right. it either in Home Assistant or in HomeKit, depending on which of the platforms I finally you know settle on. But Rafe Blanford, do you want to explain to the good listeners how millimeter wave works? And to you, and what is the millimeter thing about? So this is a presence sensor. The way I would explain it, Rafe will do the science in a minute. It's a presence sensor that works the way they should work. Like it will tell you. How many people are in a room? Okay. How many people are in a room even if they're all standing still? How many people are in a room even if they're lying completely motionless? Okay. How many people are in a room and roughly where in the room are they? What about dogs? I believe it can do animals, although... I'm just wondering. Well, I believe oh. it can do animals, although the only examples I've seen of that is people tuning it to avoid it doing animals because they want oh, okay. to differentiate between people oh, right. and So it's
0: animals. like a, a hyper-awesome...
2: Motion sensor. Go on then, Blanford.
1: Millimeter wave, Ray Blanford. Explain to me how it works.
2: It's what it sounds like. So, millimeter wave is a reference to the frequency. It's typically within the thirty to three hundred gigahertz range. So, what it means is it's able to be more accurate about what it's detecting because you're essentially having. The frequency or the size of the wave bounce off things, and it is able, oh, therefore, it's to it's do small. more accurate presence detection. Yeah, that, that's essentially what it comes down okay. to. And so, when that comes back, rather than some of the sensors that are typically based on infrared or something like that, which yeah. is different frequency, longer waves, so it is able to do things like detecting breathing or fall detection, or it can tell when it's a human. And actually, more importantly, it can tell multiple humans, so it can do multiple presence detection and where in the room you are. so it's not sort of broadband if you like it's really quite uh, narrow in the field that it can do. And so for doing presence detection when you actually think about it what you want to know is where in the room somewhere So that could be something like sitting on the sofa so turning on a certain set of lights or telling when there's more than one person in there so you might want to do something else whether that's sort of playing music. And so millimeter wave essentially allows you to do more accurate presence detection. What can
0: you tell someone is sitting on the sofa?
2: Yes. So
1: the demonstration I saw was a chap was in a large open plan kitchen and he had lots and lots of spotlights above in the roof. And as he walked across the room, the lights above him in the segment of the kitchen he was in, it wasn't like centimetre by centimetre, but he Mm -hmm. walked from the first quarter of the room to the second, to the middle and kept going, came on above him. And he said, obviously you wouldn't configure it like this, but this is a demonstration of how this works because the level of precision about finding you is so much greater. And in the Akara app, it draws a grid of the room, and you can sort of basically say if there's any movement in this square of the grid. Oh, that's very cool. The thing I like, actually, though, is I bought a few of those Akara and Hue motion sensors that you referred to earlier, and they're mostly infrared-based, as I understand it. Yes. And they're brilliant and quick and cheap, but incredibly dumb. Because if you stand still... Wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. They might be in your house, not in my house. I don't, know what, I don't know what is wrong. There's no help, nothing. I don't know why it doesn't work. It's perfectly fine if it's next to the little carol hub.
1: Let's leave your lead walls apart, but it, just okay. in terms of how they work. You, know, you walk into the room and it goes, oh, I've seen you, and turns the light on. Yeah. And then you stand still for a minute, or perhaps you might even sit on the sofa to watch a TV mm. programme. And he goes, oh, he's gone. <laughs> Turn the lights off, he's gone. And I mean, who hasn't been in an office at the end of a day or something where the lights turn off and you have to do the office Mexican wave on your own? To keep you awake. Exactly. (laughs) Every five minutes. And the whole thing here is, I mean, the the whole reason I bought this device is it can see you because you're breathing. Like you cannot be still enough for this not to see you because of of what Rafe says about the distance. Now, with that comes a little bit of fine tuning that I anticipate I have to do. But I'm, once again, I'm caught because this is like, this is what motion sensors really Mm. should be. Yeah, Like, am I in the room or not? I don't want to do any yeah. clever thinking about science or millimetres or waves or infrared. I just like, yeah. want well, the computer, if it's if work. I'm in the room, yes. I would like yes. the lights to turn on. And if I'm not in the room, I'd like the lights to turn off, please. And I don't want to have to think about physics and, you know, where am I standing and all that kind of stuff. The challenge is, though, that this is a little white plastic gizmo with a car printed on it that needs to be plugged into a USB charger. And it's almost like if I wanted to look like I lived in a branch of Best Buy or Dixon's or something like or PC World, that would be fine. But, you know, my family have opinions and, you know, we try to make our house look reasonably pleasant. And, you know, I was thinking, oh, actually, I already have infrared detectors in most of the important rooms of my house. It's called my burger alarm. You know, when they built Uh, it, they wired in, you know, infrared motion detectors in all the rooms. And for a little while now I've been looking at that that you know, could I integrate with my burger alarm? Oh, not oh. for security, but just, hey, you know, he walks into a room and I've, I've got a sensor yeah. built in. I was thinking, oh, that well, wouldn't that be great if I could just put these things up in the same place? But, you know, you gonna have wires and holders and these sorts of things. It's not yet mature enough to be integrated. No, this no. is the sort of thing that I almost think should be behind the ceiling, you know, because this thing yeah. will work actually through some surfaces. Oh, so, wow. you know, just <laughs> pop it up the other side of the ceiling void and just forget it's there. Right, try it. I want to know how that is. That sounds really cool. But I'm very excited and it's things like this that have stopped me getting bored with home automation because it genuinely is moving at an interesting pace.
0: I just checked the IKEA because I I, I, I've just been so disappointed with the fact that IKEA only works in home. But of course, uh, I forgot that the Derigera Derigera Gira, is their new online amazing awesome everything hub. Now that I think it's worthwhile resetting, because I, I used to have a lot of Ikea gear, and I think I'll buy their 55 quid hub, and then try because they've got loads and loads of trash-free you know gizmos and stuff, and they've got really new stuff as well. Have you seen their new air purifier thing?
1: Yes, and it's cheap, and it's reasonable quality. The reviews were, were kind of reasonably positive. It's not quite as mature as some of the... It
0: could be useful with your air thing, yeah. your wear, air wear, whatever.
1: But I think you're highlighting the key problem, which is you're frustrated it doesn't work. <laughs> you and I have different reactions to the same problem. You were frustrated it didn't work and just sort of shouted at it. And I was frustrated it didn't work and reconfigured my Zigbee mesh to you know repeat more steps. But the point at the moment is that it's a tinkerer's paradise. But even if you love tinkering, there comes a point where you just want to pee with the lights turned on, or you don't want the lights to come on ah. after a power cut in the middle of the night. Which is my yes. other favourite one is: <laughs> we live in a place we often have power cuts because of you know because of where we live, and not all anymore because I fixed it. But a number of our smart lights come on and stay on after a power cut. You know, which is a problem. Oh dear. Uh. Okay, we've talked long enough about my problems, Rafe. There's one more thing in the show notes that uh, I really want to touch upon before we wrap the show. It helpfully says Rafe chickens. So <laughs> please, please expand on that. Say some more. Say, some
2: more, say more about chickens. Well, this was um, because I looked into connected chicken technology. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> okay. I, uh, I'm not sure I'm ready to have a discussion about connected chickens, but go on, let's <laughs> carry on.
2: <laughs> put, a, put a little thing in them,
0: yeah, a, a, a sensor on the chicken.
2: It turns out that this is a thing, but surprisingly enough, the space isn't quite as Pole mature 3G. as uh, <laughs> smart light bulbs. So this was because there are some chickens that I'm very fond of, and I'm quite tempted now to rename one of them Ewan and one of them Ben, but they are lady chickens, so that might not be the best plan. Okay. And so putting the chickens to bed is a bit of a thing. Right. And I was house-sitting where these chickens live, and I was in a fairly serious client meeting, and I realized it was getting dark, and I had to put the chickens to bed. So I had to excuse myself from the meeting, turn off my camera and turn off the microphone, run up the garden, put the chickens to bed, and yeah. come back. And unfortunately, people rather insisted that they wanted evidence that this was actually my excuse for leaving the meeting. So I, I did then post a picture of the chickens. This prompted me to look into chickens and there are such things as kind of smart hen houses, but actually the reviews weren't great. It was also very expensive. And so in the end, it kind of went low tech and basically got an automatic door that's on a light sensor. And so chickens will put themselves to bed, but you still have to go and shut them up and close the door so they don't get got by the foxes or anything else. And so in this case, it's just a reminder that sometimes the simple solutions are actually the right place to go to. And so because it's based on it's a light sensor, the door will shut at sunset or shortly afterwards and then will open again at sunrise. And of course, you don't have to do any adjustment because that just works every day. And it's sensitive or perhaps insensitive enough that it can cope with changing weather conditions in the UK. So now have some very happy chickens that automatically get put to bed at night and then get let out in the morning. We just clarify here, raven So
0: the chickens put themselves to bed, so it's getting dark, and they go inside. Right.
2: They go inside the hen house, and they go up the ramp, and they yeah. they cluck a little bit, and they sort of yeah. settle down in the straw and sort of... Clucking bell. You know, move around a bit and, and go and go cluck, 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 cluck. Yeah. And then the door shuts because... They're not the most intelligent chickens in the world. They do have a tendency to go for midnight walkies, right. uh, which is not a good thing. So then you will
0: Not in the countryside.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so it's a combination of the instinct of the chickens to put themselves to bed, but someone has to shut the door because they can't shut the doors on their own.
0: Then just finally, listeners were texting me, asking me to ask, what, what are your chickens' names?
2: I don't think I can reveal that on a podcast. What? We're all friends here
1: gdpr is with the p is poultry
2: well exactly i mean (laughs) i did name a chicken after one of my colleagues and they were quite distressed because this chicken shortly afterwards went to the big chicken in the sky oh dear so uh juliet is now an ex-chicken and there are some new ones that have picked up new names there is one of them who is a little bit of an escape artist and so has been named after one of my colleagues which i'm not prepared to say on the podcast because some of my colleagues do actually listen to this.
0: Speckled Jim? Something like that, Ewan. That was my Blackadder reference there.
2: So I actually want to finish on something a little more serious than connected chickens, Ben. Well, Just before we finish on
1: connected <laughs> chickens, uh, Rafe, can I ask how many French chickens you have?
2: I don't have any French oh, chickens, Ben. I
1: suggest you get one so you can at least say, ah, oh, one egg is enough.
2: Yeah. Okay. That's, that's yeah. I knew that, was that was a coming. multilingual pun, right? If you didn't enjoy that, you can get in the hen house with them. So we've been through uh, birds of different kinds, Arlo's, yeah. Home Assistant, and everything else. One thing that just surprises me slightly is we've become a little bit fatigued by a smart home. We've probably lost our patience. And I can remember, if you go back mm. to earlier seasons, we spent ages of time setting Tinkering. things up. But I actually think it comes down to the, the same things. It's the compatibility between devices and the ease of use and then the use cases themselves and actually it's clear that we're all still using it and there's specific things that we find it particularly useful and we've optimized around those things but i did notice in my inbox we talked about matter as a coming thing and it's a smart home standard i'm now seeing it appear as your device is now compatible via some kind of email crm systems are updating me but just as a little bit of a recap Matter is a standard that's been agreed between Amazon app and Google and Samsung. It's basically designed to simplify the smart home, make things easy to buy and set up. The primary purpose really is to help the gadgets work across the different platforms and ecosystems. Mm. So, you know, your Alexa stuff will work with your Apple stuff and Google home and things like that. It's actually got a subset of things. So it's things like smart lighting, smart locks, and then you can control them from what's called a, a Matter compatible platform. You have various things that do that. And so it's just interesting to me that this standard, in contrast to some of the other smart home ones, does seem to have now be emerging. I've got a few things that are matter compatible. So it's something I may have a play around with because I do have things that go across the ecosystems and would definitely be interested in them being able to pick up certain devices. So at the moment, it's a common set or a common language and set of action for smart home devices. It's relatively limited. But the reviews are pretty encouraging and I think that may be something to get our interest back into smart home or at least make it more accessible for a bigger audience because that just make it work to quote Ewan from earlier in the episode. So maybe that's the thing that we look at next for smart homes.
1: Yeah, it's exciting because several of the devices I've got and so for example, Ewan, your Hue devices will have become Matter compatible now because the hubs can be updated and it all suddenly magically works. And the, the promise of Matter is Buy any device and use it with any system you like, and you don't need to lock into one ecosystem. I mean, I was talking earlier about kind of focusing on Lightwave, which is not a platform that I love, but I'm kind of drawn to just out of necessity because it's one of the few things that can do what I need to. I think there are two concerns I've got, and we will have to follow up on this one. One is that matter is pretty crude, and so most of the smart home devices that you buy now have way more capabilities than the generic thing. So the example I would give is you could buy a button to be a switch, you know, to turn on and off. And the matter would say, is the button on, is the button off? But on it is a thing that measures the battery level of the button so that you can see when the battery is running out. Mm. But that's not supported because that's just bespoke to the manufacturer's app and the manufacturer's integration. And I have some light switches that have lights on them. And I change the little indicator lights to show for time of day and to give me a warning when there's a problem in my smart home. And again, you know, none of that would be represented because the model, the devices that Matter knows about, don't have those characteristics. You know, all it knows about is lights, and lights can be a colour or on or off. You know, and some combination of that. The other thing was that uh, there are a couple of manufacturers, although it seems to have slowed down recently, who sort of initially committed to Matter and then backed off a bit. And sort of a bit, a bit lukewarm about it. So yes, I think it's very exciting. But right now, I wouldn't be buying devices purely on the basis of matter support. But what I would say is that it is an indicator of some of the best suppliers, best manufacturers. If you want a quality level, and you were saying earlier, Ewan, you know, about how difficult it is to sort of know will it work reliably or not. Problem yeah. being, of course, that some of the things you said you had problems with have got matter compatibility now. So it's not a panacea for sure.
0: It must be something that we've got stone walls or something, you know, because it's obviously working for everybody else. It's just quite frustrating. I, I like just it on the act to say, I'm sorry, you've got a crappy house. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Rather than a kind of working. I don't know how they fix that though.
1: Well, I think it will become something like um, mesh Wi-Fi where it started off being very complicated and now you buy three boxes from Amazon and put them in corners of your house and it just magically yeah, works. It's amazing. Yeah. And we'll get there. Right. Well, we should wrap up because we have gone long on smart homes, but questions for listeners, please. I would like your recommendations of home security cameras that work well for you, please. Very interested to hear about those. Not currently happy with my Arlos. Mm -hmm. Have you chosen Google Home, Apple HomeKit, Amazon's Echo platform, or another? Because there are others out there for your smart home platform. And Why have you chosen those things, please? And particularly, I am really interested in anyone who is using any of those long range devices. Have you got smart stuff in an outhouse or a shed or a garage or something? Mm. Have you put a sensor in your car that triggers as you approach your house or something like that? Because I think quite a lot of the interesting stuff is happening in that long range sensing. And that would be really interesting to me. And then we will report back on millimeter wave. We talked about the Akara one, I've got this, and I've also got an, uh, a, a hobbyist project or Everything One, I think it's called. I'll, I'll get that name right. But basically made by an enthusiast, which I bought as well, which looks like it's was basically made out of Fisher-Price bits, but is is quite <laughs> technically complicated inside. Okay, gentlemen, thank you very much. Awesome. some. Later in the season, we are going to talk about robots and artificial intelligence. We haven't talked about anything mobile related for a long time, so we've got a couple of mobile themes coming up. There was the word BlackBerry on this. Read ahead. That's
0: right. Oh, yes. Stand by.
1: So, you know, strap in for good BlackBerry nostalgia or something. And um, if we've got any people who know about uh, electric cars, there will be an episode on electric cars later on in the season. I've just recently bought one and now I'm excited about them. I would like your advice and recommendations on what is good and bad in the electric car market. Mm. Right, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Mm. We will be back in about a week or so.
2: Yay!
0: Probably. Rocking, maybe. Bye-bye. And now Melvin and his guests give a extra few minutes off something or other (laughs) before the guy brings in the coffee. It's something like that in our time. Yeah. That's what we're doing now, right? That's
1: it. Yeah. Just the the casual unscripted chat afterwards. Yeah. (laughs) I think your problems. Yeah. Tell me. I think your smart home problems might be down to the mesh. I think because you've got a handful of devices like Mm. sensors and then things that turn on as a result of those sensors, that you've got like the worst possible. Because you've got everything talking to the hub, basically. You know, if it can't see the hub, it's rubbish. Whereas a real Zigbee network creates a mesh of Zigbee stuff. And so, for example, when I had my Christmas lights out and they stopped working because the the Zigbee signal wasn't strong enough from my hub inside my house, I actually just plopped a Zigbee plug just in a plug socket, just kind of vaguely near the front door didn't even have it plugged into anything and its sole job was to repeat the signal to yeah. be strong enough for the things that were outside right. so to work all
0: across the house hue is perfectly fine it works everywhere yeah okay but nothing else does so there you go right Freeent doesn't work yeah. smart things doesn't work the akara doesn't work but hue works
1: well that's because hue creates its own mesh so all the hue bulbs are all meshed yep. together
0: so I get you, and I understand that these are slightly different technologies, but it's, it is rather frustrating as being, you know, the end user.
1: Mm. You know I mean? Absolutely, yeah.
0: Well, that's just by you. That's what I'm doing at the minute. Right, so hello from Muscat.
1: Yeah, um, hello from Muscat. Are you first recording on the new mobile setup? I mean, to my yes. ear, sounds pretty good.
0: That's interesting, right? because I'm, listeners, I am using a headset. Yeah. I'm trying to sound as good as Rory Stewart in terms of audio capability, not in terms of intellect, obviously. The chap that is always traveling for the Restless Politics podcast. Him and Alice Campbell do that one. That's one of your favorites. I think it should be a favorite of yours in the context of the audio. Yes. Cause it's always pretty good. I'm just wearing a headset. I don't have my microphone, all the, all the usual gubbings I, I do in the UK or, or when I was in living in Muscat. I'm just in a
1: hotel today. So the reason we've picked this headset is that basically all headsets are terrible for recording audio because the mics are rubbish and they're in front of your mouth Mm -hmm. and they're normally optimised for having meetings. And so what they want to do is to get an audio profile that will go into Zoom or Teams and sound good. The other end of the spectrum is radio commentators and all those sorts of people. And they have these mics, you know, the ones you see often on TV. Super serious, yeah. And A, they're super serious and they're expensive, but also those devices aren't designed to be mobile. They are plugged into amplifiers and EQs and all those kinds of things things, to make them sound nice, even though Mm. those microphones are small. So what you've got is an Audio Technica Stream Set. I forget the precise model number, but the reason we've chosen that is it's an Audio-Technica monitoring headset. What that means is that's kind of like a a good quality, studio quality. I can
0: hear myself.
1: Yeah. It's nice and crisp. It's a really excellent, comfortable headset. But on the boom arm of the microphone, it's got the microphone capsule from one of their most popular podcasting mics. So it's not going to be absolutely, you know, kind of studio quality, but it's a much larger capsule for that microphone. And what that means is that we've been able to get the mic away from your mouth, and you get fewer plosives yep. and less breathing, and all the unpleasant things why yes. Mark and all other audio engineers will hate headset mics. So mm. we'll see how it goes. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I'm slightly regurgitating the marketing spiel here, but I tried that device out for a while before I gave it to you. And certainly from a wearing it, talking into it, and feedback from people at the other end, it was all pretty positive. And it's really good. Yeah. Like I say, when you're flying, I know professional podcasters who put a mic stand and a microphone and a you know kind of a sock and an audio interface in their bag, and they actually bring the kit around. But you need a little mini flight case full of bits of gear with you, oh, and it all needs yeah. to work. Whereas you, with a you know with a laptop, a Wi-Fi connection, and yeah. that headset, which is we've opted for the USB version of it, although there is a mm. XLR version available as well for people who want to plug into you know pro audio gear like Rafe and well, as you know, just me like I'm using at home, right? <laughs> ah, ah, Just shouting into a potato don't know, I think. <laughs> Tin can. Yeah. So excited to see how that works. I think we will still try and use a proper mic at home yeah. for the better audio quality. And yeah. inevitably, to people who are not into all of this, sort of going to say, why? Why do you bother?
0: Because of Ben. That's why we bother.
1: I think the audio should get out of the way. I think it should be like listening to the radio where it is so good that you don't think it's miraculous that it's being broadcast over the digital airwaves and encoded and re-encoded. I think it should be, you know, just get out of the way. Seamless. I really hate listening to a podcast where I think what's being said is interesting. So so obviously not this podcast. (laughs) So for example, one of my favorite podcasts the other day, The Bugle, it's a comedy satire podcast. I love it. I've been listening to it for 10 years plus. Right. Absolute favorite. Right. And they had a guest the other day who sounded to me like they were talking into the microphone on their laptop in a kitchen. Uh, and yes. it was just so jarring. The, the jokes were funny. The chat was great. The content was brilliant. The scripts that this person had written was excellent. And, you know, it was a, it was a re- it's a really good podcast. But it kept bringing me out of the moment because I like, oh, that sounds awful. I can't quite hear what he said.
0: Yeah, I've heard that. I, I've, I have had similar experiences in other podcasts. Yeah, I know what you mean.
1: So, yeah, 361 goes mobile. And actually, if that works, then what we will do is we will get some more of those gizmos. And that will mean that we could then meet up You more can come easily. to Riyadh. I'm going to Riyadh next week. <laughs> so, we can record. I'm going to be recording from Riyadh. I don't think we've touched on why you are jetting around the world. And now is not the time for that. But at a future episode, we should talk about yeah, yeah, the it. exciting new career of you and McLeod.
0: Yes. Yes. The new era
1: international jet set playboy
0: um yes potentially not quite it doesn't say on LinkedIn say something Rafe well you've not said anything
1: okay well Rafe Blanford has either frozen or gone to sleep
2: Uh, a bit of both really excellent well (laughs) uh, it's
1: good to know that at least two of us are enjoying the podcast what did you have for breakfast Rafe I didn't have breakfast this morning see this is why you need a grown-up to supervise you (laughs) (sighs) so went out for curry last night yeah can't tell you what I ate though why not? Go on. Made me sign a non-disclosure agreement. That's good. <sighs>
0: I'll tell you what, my ten-year-old loves these. <laughs> <laughs>